Good morning, Bridge. How y'all doing this morning? Good. Good. Sorry about that. We need a new uh, music stand, I think. So I hear that music every week, like when I have to speak, and I almost feel like a fighter who's getting ready to get in the rink, and it's like my theme song. Like, no, I'm just kidding. Pastor Paul asked me to change it. I'm like, why do you want to change it? I love it. Like, I don't know. Anyhow, good morning. I'm Pastor Rob, one of the pastors here at Bridge, and uh, I'm excited that you're with us this morning. Um, Today's the last Sunday of October. Can you believe that? Like, I can't believe, like, I don't even know what happened to October. Does anybody, like, I feel like we just, like, hit fast forward, like, you know, like, four times and just skipped it. And uh, next week is November 1st. And um, I'm excited about next week. I'm excited for Bridge Bowl. I'm excited that UVF worship is going to be here. It's going to be a great Sunday. And, um, but, and it's 61 days till Christmas. Who's excited about that? I'm going to start music. I'm going to start Christmas music like next week everywhere. So just be ready for it. I already got my earplugs ready, so I don't have to listen to it when I'm going to the store. But um, has anybody ever, anybody heard music played at Christmas music yet? No? Okay. There's some of you probably already playing Christmas music. My wife is probably already listening to Christmas music. So, um, wow, how this fall has flown by. This morning, we're going to continue in our series called Rooted. Um, we're going to be look, we're looking at the book of Romans. And, uh, you know, last week, Pastor Paul talked about or cha- uh, finished up the rest of chapter one. And uh, chapter one was, 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 a, was a big chapter. And um, we were talking about the wrath of God and how it had been revealed against uh, the godless and, and wickedness and uh, people who suppress the truth. And um, we learned that, that what happens to man when he suppresses the truth is that God gives them over to their sinful desires. And that's what we see played out in Romans 1. And then um, at the end of Romans 1, we saw there was a list. And I'm going to have, yeah, I have a list on the screen here. There was a list of uh, all these uh, immoral things, maybe is what you might want to say, uh, that, that, that we saw at the end of chapter 1. And uh, he said that God, that these were the, these are what God surrendered man to the consequences of their sin. And, and these are some of those some of those, some of those things. And, um, <laughs> I, as I was prepping for, uh, this morning, I, I, it was, to be honest, it was a tough message to prep for. And it's a lot of information in the beginning of chapter two, a ton of information. And, um, I said, what do we do as Christians with a list, list like this? Like as believers, like as Christians, as, you know, moral people, maybe, maybe as, re- maybe people who are religious, you know, churchgoers kind of idea. Like, what do we do with this? What do we do when we see, see a list like this? Because there's this list and, um, you know, I, I don't know, like some of us last week might've been listening to Pastor Paul preach and as, as a churchgoer or whatever, we might've been, might've been Amen Charlie's. How many, how many of you guys know what an Amen Charlie is? Yeah, there we go. Somebody knows what an Amen Charlie is. Amen Charlie is like whenever you like re- the pastor's preaching or somebody's teaching you say Amen, like like I agree with that or like you know I um I'm in support of that or you know I like what you have to say there, Pastor. And you know for us pastors we we like we like Amen Charlie sometimes because it makes us feel like we're not the only one in the room, so it's good. And um, you know, so, so last week you might have heard, maybe you heard a message or you read, read Romans 1 and, and you might say amen. You might say preach. You know, I agree wholeheartedly with what's being taught. And, um, 
And we talk about, you know, God giving these people over to their sinful desires. And a list like that, you know, for, for people who are in the church might say, amen. That's what needs to happen. You know, that's the, that's, that's what they deserve. Or, you know, that's what needs to be preached. You need to preach about sin. And, you know, there's a tendency though, whenever we see a list like this as, you know, maybe churchgoers or as, as moral people, um, to look at it and let it characterize or define someone else and make us feel like maybe we're more, we're better than them or more righteous than them, right? Like I don't do these things and, you know, I don't, I don't practice this and, you know, those are all real, those are all bad things. Like they're all, they're all pretty bad things. Like I'm not living there. And so we, we look at it and we go, that looks like somebody else. That looks like somebody I know, or I know somebody who does these things, right? And I know I'm jumping right in this morning because it's my, it's going to, it's going to line up with where we're going to start at in chapter two, because chapter two is a continuation of chapter one. And, you know, and if we get close and personal, think about it. Like, how many of you guys know there's an election this year? You guys aware of that? Okay. I went out of town for 10 days last week. Like the past 10 days, I got back, I got back last Saturday or whatever. And, um, I got home and I had my mail put on hold, right? And I was like, got my mail, my mail came on Monday and I'm not kidding you. I felt like a movie star. I've never gotten that much mail (laughs) in my life. I was a huge stack of, I mean, I get like one envelope normally, you know, or, you know, on whatever day they send the newspaper, I get the newspaper out or whatever. But I was like, wow, over half, maybe, maybe even more than half was these cards, right? Of like political ads and political campaigns. If you're watching TV, right? Like if you're watching TV, it's just political ad after political ad after political ad. And if you stream TV, like I do, like you get the same commercial like four times whenever it's a commercial thing. Anybody else? I don't have been there. Okay. So like I stream TV, I'm watching TV. And I'm like, okay, there's that commercial. Oh, it's the same one again and again. And it's like, wow. Like, and, and, and they're kind of annoying. Like, let's just be honest. Let's just be real. Like, like they're annoying. And, um, you know, maybe there's some of you here who actually enjoy those and, and I'm sorry about that. And I'll pray for you and pray for your family. But if we look back at history, right? Like, I, lo- I like history. And in history, there's this thing called the Civil War. Anybody remember that from, like, history? Like, you're like, yeah, I, yeah. Okay, Civil War, right? It was the gray versus the blue. And I believe in our day, there's a cultural Civil War that maybe not being fought with bullets, but it's the red, it's the red versus the blue, or the blue versus the red. And you have blue states, and you have red states, and you have blue parts inside of red states, and you have red parts inside of blue states. And what happens is both sides see a list like this, and they project it onto the other side. It's just what happens. For example, let's just take, for example, a few of these items on this list. Okay? For example, a few of these items on this list. And, and, and here's what the red does, right? The red goes... Wow, they're obviously sexual and moral. There's sexual, there's sexual impurity going on. Right? They're obviously sexual and moral. I mean, they are the lobby for all sorts of sexually immoral things. And then, and then they are greedy. They're definitely envious because, man, like, they just want power. And, 
And they're all about, you know, strife and deceit. I mean, that's all they do. They just deceive people. And this, if we move over to slander, right? Like, that's what every political ad is, right? Like, every one of those cards, every commercial you see, like, hardly ever do you see one that's like, oh, this is a positive thing. Like, it's always about, it's always slandering somebody else. Or, you know, they're, move over, and like, they're definitely God haters, right? Because they want to take God out of our country. And they're arrogant, and they're boastful, and and they disobey their parents. Well, I'm not sure if they disobeyed their parents, but I'm sure that they disobeyed their parents. I mean, look at how they act. There's no way they could have ever obeyed their parents. They have no understanding. They, they clearly don't understand anything. They have no love, no envy, no mercy. And then what happens? Oh, I feel good about myself, right? I've defined what the opposition is. And it's something that I'm not... I'm against these things, so I'm more righteous. Right? Now I'm going to be an equal opportunity offender this morning, and we're going to look at it the opposite way. What can the blue say of the red if we look at blue pe- blue look, say of the red if we were to look at this? They say the exact same thing. Look, and it says, you know, sexual immoral. Well, they're against that, but they practice it. I mean, look at, look at the allegations that are against them. Greed, well, what else are they about? They're all about money. Murder, well, they drop bombs on people. Strife, deceit, malice. That's what they are about. They're deceiving to get their way. God-haters, well, they say they love God, but they want us to love God in the way that they love God, which isn't the way that we all should love God. Arrogant, are they anything else? Look at who their leader is disobey their parents? Probably. I mean, I would say they probably said the right thing in front of their parents, but did exactly what their parents didn't want them to do. At least we would disobey our parents openly. No understanding? Well, they're definitely crazy. No love? Have you seen Twitter and fa- have you seen Twitter feeds? No mercy? Well, it's clearly who they are. That's who the red people are. And I feel good about myself as a blue person. Because I've identified myself as not being what they, what I have, have portrayed them to be or characterized them to be. Now this morning, I don't want us to get sidetracked on red versus blue. But it's an, indis- it's an illustration of the tendency that we seem to have, or we can have, no matter what our political party is. Whether we're red, blue, green, have no political affiliation, whatever, whatever that means. Maybe you don't have, want to have anything to do with politics. That's okay. But it's a tendency of what we can do. Now, next week is the election, and it's your right and responsibility to vote. Vote biblical values. Look at Scripture and see what each candidate lines up with closely, as closely as possible, and see what God's Word says. And, and vote, vote those biblical values and, and, and biblical values. But with that said, that's our tendency, a tendency of man is to take a list like this and to project it on the people who are different from them. And then say, I'm better than them. Because I don't believe that, or I haven't done that, or I'm not doing the same things as what they are. And, you feel, and we feel good about ourselves. I'm not a Romans 1 person, right? Like we've seen sit in this room and go, I'm not a Romans 1 person. Everybody in this room can probably sit here and go, well, I, hope, I hope we can all sit here and go, I'm maybe, I'm not a Romans 1 person. But how many of you guys have ever, this is, happens all the time, right? How many of you guys have ever sat in church and said, hey, husband, hey, wife, hey, neighbor, do you hear what the pastor's saying? 
hear what he's saying this morning? If only so-and-so were here to hear that message. Or I'm sitting in church this morning, oh man, I really hope that so-and-so is watching online this morning because they really need to hear what, what they're saying, what the pastor's saying. Or, you know, if you've done that, raise your hand. We, I mean, I can raise my hand on that. Let's all be honest in here, right? If you're not raising your hand, you didn't, you're either lying or you didn't listen to the sermon. But we can't help but compare ourselves to others and hope that the other guy is getting what we think we already have. Happens all the time. And this morning, as we dive into Romans 2, Paul addresses this exact thing in, the, in the, this exact, exact situation in the beginning of Romans chapter 2. And I love how when Paul writes a letter, right, like he addresses every objection and question that may come against what he had already talked about. So in chapter 1, he talks about these things, and he talks about those sorts, of, those sorts of ideas. And then he addresses now the, the objection from maybe somebody who is in the church or a moral person or a religious person or, or somebody who, 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 would, who would do that, a churchgoer, if you would, people probably like you and I. And, and he addresses them right in chapter 2. So we're going to read chapter 2, verses 1 to 16 together. And I know it's a big portion of Scripture, but hang with me, okay? So let's read it together. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the pew, in the seats in front of you uh, underneath. And so Romans 2, verses 1 to 16, it says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed." God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those by, who per, by persisting in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, will, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law by do by... <laughs> do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consequences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God's, God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. God, I just pray that it will penetrate our hearts and our minds. God, let me communicate clearly. God, I pray that your word would cause an action inside each one of us. And it's in your name I pray. 
Amen. Amen. So, as I said earlier, I have to be honest, as I read this scripture, and as you might have read this scripture, if this is the first time you've read this scripture, you're like, man, there is a lot in that piece of portion of scripture. And there is. There's a ton in that portion of scripture. And I have to be honest, this past week as I, I, was, I was prepping, I, I walked into Pastor Paul's office with a blank notebook, and I said, here's what I have for Sunday's message. And he was like, you're kidding, right? And I was like, kind of. Because I have a lot, of, a lot up here, but I didn't have a lot on paper, so I really didn't have anything on paper. And he's like, there's a lot in there. And he said, well, let's sit and read it together. So we sat and read, this, read the passage together, and he's like, wow, there's a lot in here. And I was like, tell me about it. <laughs> You're right. Like, it's a lot. Like, the first verse or first four verses could be a message in and of itself, but we have 16 this morning. So we're going to try to walk through this together. And um, the title of the message this morning, as I read it, is, is God's Justice System. God's justice system. And I want to look at some of the principles or characteristics that we see as God, see in God as a just judge or as a judge in his justice system. And so let's look at verse one together. And we're going to kind of do this through the whole morning and kind of walk through uh, different, uh, walk through verse by verse or a few verses at a time. And it says, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. So Paul here is is addressing some religious people, some moral people, that when they read chapter one, they're amen Charlies, right? Like they're the people who are saying, hey, like they see all the immoral things that people are doing and they judge them. They're like, amen. They deserve what they're getting, right? Like, like that's what, that's what they're saying. And I'm not like that. Thank God. You know, I'm not like that. So look at me, you know, I'm better than them. And Paul here is saying, you can't judge them because you do the same things. Maybe you don't do the exact same things, but you have sin in your life. Everyone has sin. You have sin in your life. You may not sin in public or as extreme as what maybe they do, but you close the door and you sin and you come out and you act righteous. And Paul says, you look back at the people from chapter one and say, I'm so glad I'm not them, but yet you're doing the same things and you have no excuse. You have no excuse. The point number one is this. God is judge not us. In God's justice system, he is the judge, not us. And in our community today, if you were to ask what people's view of Christians or Christianity is, the number one word that you're going to hear is judgmental or judging. Like there's a book called Unchristian, and um, I think the statistic in that book is 85% of people outside the church say that the church, Christians, are, are judgmental. 85%. We have to change that. Like, I look at that and I go, God needs a new, Jesus needs a new PR person. Because we're not doing a good job sometimes, I think. I think, we, I think we fail at this a lot of the time. It's not our job to judge. Now, I think we first have to define what judging is, right? Because we look at this word and we say, judge, like, what does that mean? Paul is not saying that we shouldn't identify righteousness and wickedness. He's not saying that you can't call something as good or something as bad. If that were the case, he would have blown his whole teaching in chapter one because he laid out exactly good, he laid out a bunch of bad things in chapter one. 
And so an example of this might be is if you're married and your husband comes home and, and he smells like women's perfume and he has lipstick all over his collar, you probably would ask a question, even though you might know the answer, why do you have lipstick on your, lipstick on your collar and smell like perfume? And he says, well, I was making out with someone. And obviously, you're hurt, you're upset, you're wounded, and you say, how could you do that? And you start going off on him, right? Or you, you start going off, and, and he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sensing a little judgmental spirit here. You need, to, you need to back off. You need to read Matthew 7 there. You know, it says, judge, at least you be judged. So, you know, you, you're coming down too strong. You need to back off and be like Jesus. That's not what it means to judge. Identifying wickedness is not being judgmental. Identifying immoral immoral things is not judging. So what is Paul talking about here if he's not talking about what's right and what's wrong? To judge is to condemn others and then elevate yourself in doing so. To judge is to pass a sentence onto somebody else. I don't judge when I say adultery is sin. That is a truth from God's word. Adultery is sin. I judge when I pass sentence on somebody and I say, you're an adulterer and you're going to hell. That is judging. And you've passed sentence on somebody else. And I remember, I remember last year, I think it was last year, Pastor Matt and Pastor Paul and I, I took like a couple of days and we went to D.C. to um, kind of vision cast for the year. And, and we were walking in D.C. and there was a Apparently, there was a major Supreme Court case that was taking place, and it, it had to do with some equality for equality in work for for uh, for women and for the LBG, LBGQT plus uh, community, and it was a big deal, and, and because it was going to set a precedent for other cases, the court was court was going to heal here down the road, and um, you know we didn't know that this was happening, but we're walking, and there's these two big groups of protesters, right? And there's this group that's like, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of like the fans of like what is happening inside the courtroom. They're hoping that like the, like the judges rule in their favor and like they're all excited and, you know, they're, uh, they're cheering it on. So there's a few groups that are doing that. And then on the other side of the street, there's this other group of people who are counter-protesting, maybe is the word, that they're pretty much just condemning the people who are cheering on the bill to hell. Like, let's just be honest. That's, like, that's essentially what they're doing. And they got their banners and their megaphones and, and they're shouting. And, and, and then just in this picture, right? Here's Pastor Paul, Pastor Matt, and I on the road between these two groups. I'm going, what is going on? Like, we're in the wrong place, the wrong... We, hadn't, yeah, we didn't know it was happening. But just for your imagination, that's what's happening. And so this group on the other side have these banners, and they're saying how these other people are going to burn in hell because of the sin in their life. And they got megaphones, and they're shouting, and, and they're claiming to be Christians. They're claiming to be Christians. And they're singing songs and playing renditions of songs that are talking about people burning in hell because of what is going on. And, um, and I literally got sick to my stomach. I literally got sick to my stomach because in reality, that's how some people view Christians. That's how some people view me whenever I say, I'm a believer, I'm a child of God, I'm a Christian. Because that's their only view of somebody who is a Christian. That's the only, only experience that they have with, with, with people who are believers. That's the only, ex, only exposure they may have had with Christians. 
Now you say, Pastor Rob, well, <laughs> I'm not sending people to hell and I'm not telling them that they're going to burn because of, because of the, the lifestyle that they're living. Well, maybe you're not. But what about when somebody's done something wrong to you and you experience something that's and, 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 and done something wrong to you and, and they experience something that is difficult or they get hurt or, or whatever and you say, well, they got what they deserved. Or better yet, they, they hurt you or hurt your family and you say, so they'll, they'll, they'll get what's coming to them. It's real. Is that us being judge and not God? How often have we been the person passing judgment onto someone else? God is judge and we are not. A second part of that is that God's judgment is based on truth. If we look at verse 2, it says, Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. Based on truth. So what happens in the culture that we live in, it tells us that truth is whatever we want it to be. Our culture tells us that truth is whatever you want it to be. You pick your own truth. Choose your own truth. If your truth and my truth are different, we can't have either one. Because there's no flexibility in truth. There's no sliding scale in what truth is. Truth is infallible, and it exists at all times. You can choose what you wear. You can choose what you eat. You can choose what team you, you root for. You can choose who you vote for. But you can't choose what truth is. Truth is something that is set apart from you, no matter how you feel about it. For an example, it is truth when I say that the eagles are two, four, and one. No matter how you guys, how anybody feels about it, it's still true. They've won two games, they've lost four, and somehow they tied one. No matter how you feel about it, that's their record. It's truth. If you don't believe, if you don't believe me that truth is not flexible, just look at the world in which we live. Everybody has their own version of what truth is. And their truths are conflicting each other, and they can't get along. My truth is this, your truth is that, and back and forth. People are on a collision course with each other. Last week we talked about how God is, has revealed himself through creation. And we saw that last week that, that truth is found in his creation and it's found in his word. His word tells us what is right and what is wrong. It's the truth of his word that tells us what is immoral and what is moral. Is the truth of his word that, that can be used to identify such things. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Teaching, right there it is, what is right. Rebuking, identifying what is not right. Correcting, how to, how to make things right. And training in righteousness, how to stay on the right course, how to correct that and stay on the right path. And herein lies the problem, though. Herein lies the problem. And every one of us, herein lies the problem. Sometimes we think that God needs our help. Sometimes we think that God needs our help in applying his judgment to people. Because God judges by truth, our judgment will never lead people to repentance, to what is to, to right. We may use Scripture to show what is right, what is wrong, and how to correct the path. 
But we often slip into judgment. And it's not our, it's not our place to judge. It's not our judgment that will lead people to repentance. And Paul addresses this next, in the next verse. It says, It is the kindness and character of God that leads us to repentance. Let's read verse 4 together. It says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? The word contempt here is, 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 like, say, is, like, is like saying, do you not just, you blatantly disregard. You, you, you disregard. Do you moral righteous person disregard the richness of God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? And I would dare to say, if we were to go around the room today, many of you would say, that the reason why you gave your life to Christ wasn't because of somebody judging you. It was because at some point you realized that out of his goodness, his grace could save you. Every one of us. Not saying they didn't show us what was moral and immoral in our life, but it wasn't because they cast a sentence on you. Our definition of God's judgment sometimes is that of like lightning bolts, you know, ready to strike. You know, I imagine like a Greek god sometimes, like, you know, ready to just have you know, his lightning bolts on his ears and that sort of idea. And he's ready to just strike us whenever we sin or punish people when we sin. And we forget that that's not the character of really who God is. That's not, that's not, that's not who he is. Paul here asks the question, do you disregard the character of God when in reality, like what Pastor Paul said last week, the wrath of God is slow building anger over time. It's not all at one time where he releases his, his wrath. Slow building anger over time. Because he is kind. Because of his forbearance, he's called a truce. It means he's, he's called a truth, truce, and he is patient. Psalms 103.8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. When we judge, we forget that it's, that it's God's job to judge based on truth. We can point out right and wrong, but we can't forget who his character is. It's his character that leads people to repentance. God doesn't, God doesn't use us as people to like drive people to the kingdom of God. And when I say drive, I'm thinking about like, you ever see like on TV where they're doing like a cattle drive, right? And they have like their whips and we're like driving them into like, into the, into the kingdom of God. That's not what our job is. God leads them. He uses us to help lead them. Like, not, and I'm not talking about like dragging, because I think that's sometimes the image that we get of leading somebody. Leading is like we're in step together. Like a dog show. A dog show is a very good example of leading. We're in step together, leading into, into the kingdom of God. He draws them to himself. We may play a part, but our part is not to judge. And God's justice system, he is judge, not us. And he judges based on truth. Number two is, is that God's justice system is fair. God's justice system is fair. And I know in our, culture, in our country, there are accusations and instances where our justice system doesn't seem to be fair. It doesn't seem to always be fair. It may seem that because of someone's demographic or their social status, they may be, they may be 
treated unfairly, whether that's good unfairly or bad unfairly. There hasn't been equal justice applied. And I mean, there are many of cases, many cases that, that we, that I can think about, but the one that comes to mind that everybody probably can, everybody in America sits in front of their TV and says like, we look at like the OJ Simpson case, right? Everyone in America, I think knew that he was guilty. Like, and here we are years later and he's all but admitting that he is guilty. He was guilty, but unfairly he was left off with a lesser sentence. Look at more recent instances in our culture where justice was served unfairly. We can be sure that God's justice system is not like our American justice system because God's justice system is fair. God's justice system is fair. And everyone will be judged. Everyone will be judged. It says that in verse 6. It says God will repay each person according to what they have done. Each person. So how will we be judged? How, how will we be judged? Well, Paul addresses a, few, a couple of these things in, 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 the, in the next couple of verses. The first one is, is that everyone will be judged based on their deeds and motives. What we do in our lives, what we do in our life and our motive for doing them will be examined. In verse 5 it says, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Stubbornness, unrepentant heart. Those are pretty, like, pretty strong words there, right? And this is a lot of people who, who are good people. I think this is addressing a lot of people who might be moral people, right? Like people who, 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 who do good. They might point out and think that they're better than other people. But let's look at verse 7. It says, To those who by persistence in doing good... Seek glory, honor, and immortality. He will give eternal life. So, Pastor Rob, you're saying that if I seek to do good, then I'm going to be saved. But here's the key. What is good? What is the definition of of good? What is Paul saying here? Not saying what what do I say is good or what does man say is good, but what does God say is good? If we look at Hebrews 11, 6, it says, Without faith... It is impossible to please God. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying to do good work is to bring pleasure to God. Any deed or action that is pleasing to God must be done in accordance to our faith, to our relationship with him. You can't do good works without being in a relationship with God. Any work that anybody does that is not in a relationship with God is not done for God. Does that make sense? It's not done for God. So then what is it done for? Well, Paul addresses that in the next verse. He says, but for those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Self-seeking. It's not those who aren't, it's not that those who aren't in relationship with God don't do good things. Just they don't do them for God. In verse 7, it says that those who persist in doing good seek glory. Are you seeking glory for themselves? No. Seeking glory for God in doing good things. They seek glory for God. They seek honor. Honor for themselves? No. They seek honor for God. And immortality. What is immortality? What is the definition of immortality? An eternity spent on the dependence and in the presence of Jesus Christ. And there's, a, there's an illustration of this that Jesus gives in Luke 18. That, and he talks about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And it says, the Pharisees up, up in front of the church. This is the illustration that, that Jesus is portraying here. That there's, there's a Pharisee who's up in front of the church. And he's, he's praying. And he's saying, oh, thank you, God, for myself. 
I love you, God. Thank you for what, you, what, what I've done. I give 10% of all I have to the church. And maybe if we were to combine it a little bit, I'm not like the people in Romans 1. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm not those people. And, and thank you, God, for who I am. Look what you've done, done, done. Look what I've done for you, right? And that's who, that's who this Pharisee is. And he looks like a pretty righteous guy. I might want to slap him, but he looks like a pretty righteous guy. And then you have the tax collector who's in the back. And tax collector who cheats people out of money. And he can't even look up to heaven because he knows himself. He knows who, who, who he is. And he pounds on his chest and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that's all he says. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. God looks at the heart. He looks at our motives. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. I mean, even Paul says this later on in the scripture in verse 16. He says this will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets. His justice is fair. Everyone will be judged based on deeds and motives. Good deeds and motives, eternal life, glory for God, honor, peace. Follow evil, reject truths, be self-seeking, wrath, anger, trouble, distress. No matter who you are or where you come from, we're going to be judged. Verse 11 says, for God does not show favoritism. His justice is fair. Everybody will be judged on their deeds and motives and everyone will be judged based on their obedience. And it says this in verse 12 and 13. It says, All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. And the word law here is, is I want to give a definition to it, because in, in, in this, this day and age, it would have been, like, been written towards like religious Jews and, and church-going Gentiles. And, and the law would be like the Ten Commandments. But for us today, it's God's will made, made known to us. For us today, is, the law here is God's will made, made known to us. God's will made known to us through his word. Merely hearing God's word does nothing apart from faith apart from submission, and, ap- and apart from obedience. God's justice will be based on the obedience that comes from our faith in Jesus Christ. It isn't good enough just to hear the word. It's not, not hearing. It's not sitting here this morning and listening to God's word that makes you righteous. I'm sorry f- to disappoint you. But it's what you do with what you hear. It's the obedience that comes from, being, from, from God the obedience that comes from hearing God's word and doing something with it that makes us righteous. Paul's talking to those who come to church and they hear the scriptures read. And I want to paint an image for you is like what would happen is they didn't have chapters and verses like we do today. They would get up on, on, a, on a, when they went to church and they would open up the scroll and read the whole book. They read all of Romans at one setting. And there would be people who would just sit there and listen and not do anything with it. And he's addressing those people saying, hey, it's not good enough just to hear we have, you have to, we have to do something. Somehow they think that they're good enough to be righteous. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. 
And I like to think about this as like when my parents are teaching me something, right? Like my parents teach me, how many of you guys taught your kids how to brush their teeth, right? You taught them how to brush their teeth? Well, my parents would teach me how to brush my teeth. And if I just sat there and listened, right, and I heard what they said, and they said that, you know, brushing was good. It would keep me from getting cavities. It help people would want to be around me because my breath wouldn't stink. And like, I should do that. I sat there and I listened to it. But if I just sat there and I didn't do anything with it, and I deceived myself, I lied to myself, thinking that, oh, it's going to be okay. Thought nothing would happen. Guess what would happen? My teeth would start to decay. And my breath would start smelling really bad. And none of you would want to be around me. And that's kind of what the picture here that is painting. We hear things. We hear God's word. But what do we do with it? Everyone will be judged by their obedience. And that's the worship team that come this morning. In God's justice system, God is judge. We are not. In God's justice system, his justice is fair. And we're all going to be judged by our deeds, our motives, our obedience. And lastly, God's justice system is brought through Jesus Christ. And it says this in verse 16. It says, This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. And it says, This will take place. So we have to look at it and go, Okay, so what will take place? It says, This will take place. What will take place? We have to, like, kind of back up to, like, verse 13, because verses 14 through 15 there is kind of like an ill, it's Paul kind of giving, like, a a descriptor to what he had just talked about. So we have to back up to verse 13 to see what will take place. And it says, this will take place. And it says, on the day, and this is is me paraphrasing to answer this question, what will take place? It says, on the day that God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ, it is not those who hear the law who will be righteous in God's sight, but those who obey the law will be declared righteous in God's sight, as my gospel declares. See, we're all going to give an account for our lives. We're all going to be judged in God's justice system. And as my youth pastor used to say, what will the highlight reel of your life look like if it were played? Will you be declared righteous in God's sight? I know Pastor Paul used this verse last week, John 3, 16 and 17. John 3, 16 was like the very first verse I ever memorized growing up. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But this is my favorite part. And the set in, in John three sixteen and verse seventeen, it says, "For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him." It's not Jesus' mission to condemn the world, to condemn, to bring death and destruction, but to save the world, but to save you and I through Jesus Christ. Justice is brought through Jesus Christ. His mission, to bring man to God. 1 Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Will you be declared righteous in God's sight? 
not because of what you have done or what you've earned, but because you have heard the truth of God's word. You've heard the gospel message. And as it says in chapter one of Romans, it says, that is the power of God who brings salvation to everyone who believes. So you heard the gospel message and you believed and you acted. You did something with it. Righteousness cannot be earned, but only freely given. How how does this happen through Jesus Christ? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, to be declared righteous is, is what the Protestant reformer Martin Luther, whose life was completely impacted by the book of, book of Romans, called, called the Great Exchange. It's Jesus' perfection for my imperfection. It's Jesus' righteousness for my unrighteousness. Jesus' sinlessness for my sinfulness. It's an exchange. And I know this morning this was a lot, but I also know that it impacts each one of us in this room because it impacts me. In God's justice system, God is judge, not us. He judges by truth. And his character is what will lead us, lead to repentance, not our judgment. So I have a question for you this morning. Have you judged? Have you felt judged? Do you judge? God's justice system is fair. Everyone will be judged by their deeds and their motives. So my question for you today, have you examined what you do and why you do it every day? Are your motives in everything that you do seeking glory and honor for God? Or do we find ourselves maybe a little self-seeking in some of the things that we do? Everyone will be judged by their obedience. When you open God's word, do you act upon it? Does God's word stir action in your life? And lastly, God's justice system is brought through Jesus Christ. Will you be found righteous in God's sight? Do you find yourself with sin in your life? Have you, how is your relationship with him? Do you have a relationship with him this morning? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you alone are judge, that you alone are a good God, and that you judge us according to your character, that you judge everyone fairly. And Lord, I examine my heart, my deeds, my motives. 
God, let there not be selfishness in my motives, Lord. Let what I do bring honor and glory to you. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts so that we're not just hearers of your word, but God, let your Holy Spirit move us to obedience. Let your Holy Spirit move us to, to action. God, I thank you for bringing justice through your Son, that through him we might exchange our unrighteousness for righteousness, that through him we might exchange our imperfection for his perfection, that through him I can exchange my sinfulness for his sinlessness, to be made righteous in your sight, that through him we may have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. And it's your name I pray. Amen. Amen.